You want to just spit that in my mouth and I'll finish it? Plus, toxic swims for everyone. The cows get more screen time than some cast members did this season. Anissa's ankle is almost as swollen as her partner's ego is bruised. Puzzles, puzzles everywhere. The always forgetful TJ forgot to buy engines for his cars. Who doesn't make that mistake? And Bananas and Nani put on an eating show for the ages, culminating in both a lead and a pocket full of puke. It's the challenge. Ride or Dies, episode 18, a.k.a. the final part two of three. My goodness. Recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me this evening to cover part two of three. Really? Part two of three. I apologize for being a, it's not even being a bad historian, a bad podcast host, I guess, not looking ahead, still not understanding where, uh, probably basic info that's readily available about the, you know, the schedule of episodes of these seasons. I'm sure it's readily available if I just looked, but I didn't think I needed to look. I didn't know until after last week's podcast that somehow, some way they were doing a three episode finale here. So apologies for anyone who also was like me thought, We'd be seeing the end of it tonight, and who heard me say that and then had to find out the news of, nope, 60-minute episode, shorter, but that's because there's two left. So we're here to talk about the middle of the three-part finale saga, Ride or Dies, episode number 18. Before we jump in, a couple quick programming reminders. This is the only podcast that you'll be hearing on these podcast wavelengths, those, something of that nature, this week week and the likely the same will be for next week just Wednesday night ride or dies coverage as we gear up and get ready for what's going to probably be a very busy spring summer and really full-on year covering the world of the challenge as you know we'll possibly have a global championship trailer maybe next week finally at the end of this we know it's starting you know in uh, three weeks now or whatever, three to four weeks now. We know Challenge UK is getting dropped on Paramount Plus soon. So I will, of course, be covering, I'm going to do a series on the Challenge UK, two, three, four episodes. Depends on how good the season is, but we only have a week between it dropping in the Global Championships. I will, of course, be recapping those when they start. There's a lot coming up, but for this week and next week, it's just ride or dies while we get ready for that as well is get ready for Survivor. Survivor does start very soon. The season looks like it's going to be incredible. So so if you're a Survivor fan, make sure if you ha didn't listen last season, go on over most likely to podcast feed me and my good friend Paige breaking it down over on her podcast. So go give her a follow now so that you're ready when that season drops to get those recaps. But otherwise, that's all we've got for you here today. So let's go ahead without further ado and dive on in. I promise I'm going to do my best, my absolute best to make this episode not as long as the actual episode itself. We'll see if I can be quick and succinct for once. Who knows? We shall see. But we're going to begin right now. 
Here's how we're going to break the storylines down this week. We're simply just going to go one team at a time. Each team gets a little segment to talk about how that team performed in this particular episode and anything interesting about that team in this particular episode. But before we do the first team, I'm sorry, I have to do it. Why is there three episodes? Why is this a three-episode finale? I will make this very short because I talked about this last week. Even last week when I was thinking that it was a two-episode finale, and I thought that was maybe even a little bit too much. I truly don't know why it's three episodes. It doesn't make sense to me. The ratings, historically, even when seasons that would really good ratings, you know, the ratings suffer at the end. People don't watch the finale as much as they watch the beginning and middle parts of the seasons. There's a whole bunch of reasons for that. I'm not going to re-delve into those or my arguments of, you know, the last two to three weeks about needing more people in the finale for us to want to watch them or for more fans to want to watch them. The bar should not be if someone like me, an absolute fanatic, um, someone who's so obsessed with this show, loves this show so dearly for so long that I podcast about it on my own every week. It shouldn't be whether I have a good time, because I, of course, had a good time with this episode. It's hard for me not to have a good time with a single episode of the challenge. It has, it, it's, it has to be a pretty bad episode, objectively, uh, for it to you know, get to bad in my eyes or me not have a good time. But so while I had a good time, that's not the proper bar to have to clear here. I just don't think it should be three episodes. I do, however, I love, love maybe strong, like to love getting to see all the parts of the final. I hate learning after the fact that there's a bunch of extra things that we didn't actually get to see, but that isn't why you should then have a three and a half hour, you know, an hour and a half, an hour and an hour, three episodes long final. That's why you don't have a four day, 12 stage, hundred hour final in the first place, because there is then too much. And you feel like now we've got three episodes of TV. No, 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 no. You don't need to do it. I guess if the ad revenue is that low, if MTV's trying that hard to hang on here and you know, you got to push this all the way to 19 seasons or 19 episodes, excuse me. I I get it, I guess, but wouldn't what if the ratings are a lot better and you can get more money per episode versus having to have more? I don't know. That's just me. I still stick with what I said last week. It should be a 2-hour final episode plus a 1-hour reunion immediately after it, 3-hour final night just like Survivor does. I think it works really well for them and I think it would work really well for the challenge. And the final thing I'll say on this, which Anyone out there that says, you know, we've got to fit all this in. There's so much going on. I will once again, I believe I did last week. I don't remember 100%, but I think I did refer to the most popular content in the world today by far is Mr. Beast on YouTube. Unbelievable. And if he, his production team, I don't, it would take an amazing, they, they make a lot of money. They spend a lot of money on their videos. The challenge isn't putting up the type of money for Mr. Beast to come do a final and you know, produce a final and produce the video version of a final. But if he did, it'd be the best 22 minute video. The challenge has ever done. We'd see everything worth seeing. It would be in and out. It'd be short, sweet, succinct, perfect, wonderful, incredible. So not that you're going to get him or his team to actually work on this, but they should take a little bit of inspiration from the most popular thing in the world now with the audiences that they are striving to reobtain or hold on to is things like Mr. Beast or other things like it where it's a lot shorter. It's a little quicker. It's only the really good stuff. It's only the engaging stuff. It isn't people just running, jogging down the path for, you know, a third of the episode when you chop all those little parts out. Anyways, I'm done with that part. Let's talk about the teams. First team to discuss, definitely the one having the most difficulties, that would be Anissa and Jordan. And look, 
We're not going to go through every team's you know, performance on each individual part. Just going to talk about the stuff that matters. And obviously what matters in this episode is that these two hate each other. And uh, this is why we all season long, you know, this is somewhat of karmic retribution, not really even for Anissa and Jordan, who are obviously suffering this, you know, possible karmic retribution when they didn't pick to be each other's partner. They both came on this season thinking they had a different partner and then got shoehorned together and have had to deal with it. So it's really on production more so than it is on Anissa and Jordan, but they're bearing, you know, the brunt of this karmic retribution because they are not ride or dies. They are not good friends in any way. They, in fact, if anything, didn't really like each other on previous seasons and became friendly because he was dating her, you know, new best friend in the last couple of years. And that is what it is. And this is the result of when you put Two people together who aren't actually ride or dies, but are, you know, claiming to be for the sake of being on the show and being on this season. And one of them is the most competitive ultra athlete on this show in the history of the show, most likely. And the other, while a beast at certain aspects of the game, already struggles a bit on the endurance side that a final is going to bring and then gets injured minutes into the thing because of a decision that the other person made. And this is this is what you're going to get. They hate each other. They're not they're having 0% fun. 0% fun during any of this. And also no one looks good in it. Anissa doesn't look great coming out of this. Jordan certainly doesn't look great coming out of this and I can see both sides of this. This is one of those, you know, arguments or debates whatever. If you were like, no no no, Jordan's an asshole, Anissa's a saint, I'd be like, okay. I can probably understand where that argument is coming from. If you flipped it around and you're like, dude, she needs to shut up. Jordan hasn't done anything wrong, this, that, and the other. I'm about to give a couple reasons why I can understand that side here in a moment. But either way, I can understand both. I can also understand the person that's like, damn it, this is really one of the three teams we have left. We have to deal with like this melodrama (laughs) playing out in front of our eyes. I get all sides of it. No one looks good here. Jordan is being an ass. I will say that first before I then defend a little bit of his assholery, if that is a word that I can use right now that might have just been made up, but I think I've heard it before. It's it's probably not a real word, but someone else has said it before. He had all season to prepare for this. If this was just like they got to a final and out of nowhere, he was like, they just were like, now you have to be partnered up and you're partnered with Anissa, who you haven't like worked with at all this whole season and you didn't have to fake pretend to be best friends with. I could see him acting like this and be like, hey, man, like that frustration in that moment, all the pressure, this, that, and the other. I get it. But he had all season prepare for this. Once they got thrown together as partners on day two or three or whatever, they made that switcheroo. He then had whatever, a month of filming, however long it was, to know that like if we get to the final, this is how it's going to go. And you know going into that, it's going to take some big twists, some puzzle luck to win that it's going to take some big, big things that don't have to do with the fact that you're going to be walking a bunch of the time to win that final. You have all season to prepare mentally of like, how am I going to act? It's going to be frustrating. I'm going to be, you know, wanting to do my thing where I can run a hundred miles faster than anyone here, but I won't be able to, you have the whole season to learn to deal with that. He doesn't. And so, you know, that's why I would say this is a pretty tough look for him for how fru- how he's letting the frustration get to him because he, as hard as it may be, he did have a long time to prepare to do that. The blow up at the camp is the only single part that I'm really like, man, that's, 
that was rough. That was really rough to watch. The rest of it, I'm like, yeah, he's yeah, he, yeah, he's not supporting her the way she wants to be supported, but also he's just like being frustrated and pissed that they're not going faster. And so like, it's not that bad. But that's at the camp, it's kind of bad. It's it's a it's a bad look. It's a bad moment. The no wonder it's been 13 years line is hilarious, but also only hilarious in like the meanest way possible. And yeah, that. That, that hits pretty deep, I can only imagine. So that's that side. But also, it is worth saying, and a lot of people have been saying it all week on the internet, on the social media sphere, Jordan won a final with a hairline fracture in his leg after crash landing, in a, jumping out of a helicopter with a parachute. And the person that he was supposed to land him safely into the ground crash landed them into the ground, fractured a bone in his leg, and then he still went on to beat CT and Derek in the dirty 30 final. So he has the cred to say, I can see your ankle really swollen. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. And the only way you're going to get through this and do well, and we have any shot at winning is you to tell yourself also in your head that you do not care to literally trick your brain into just putting away the pain that is your foot right now. I don't care. So he's like the one of the only people ever that has the credibility to say that who has been screwed over by an injury and went on to overcome it and still win in a major injury at that. Also, while we're on the safety discussion, just for a quick tangent, after last week, all the blood, all the injuries, all the trauma that Olivia went through, Jordan came out and made a post. Uh, I don't know where it was, but it was circulated all throughout social media uh, this week. I think it started on Instagram and then everyone shared it everywhere else. He made a post about how, you know, there had been a couple of people saying, why wasn't Olivia wearing goggles when she did had the golf ball the way Jordan and Fessy wore goggles for that same slingshot earlier in the season? And Jordan came out and pointed out, one, that, yeah, the safety isn't smart there, but also that the goggles they get and that they wore earlier and that they're always given for eliminations literally would have shattered and probably caused Olivia to be blind. It would have been even worse potentially with the goggles on. But his point was that she should have had goggles the same, but they should be good ones, like high for like extreme sports for, I don't remember the couple things types he referenced, but he does all the stuff where they would have the really high end gear that, could be the types of goggles that if you got hit in the face with a golf ball going that fast out of a slingshot, it would still kind of knock you back and hurt pretty bad that it just hit the outside of the goggles, but they wouldn't break and you wouldn't break your face or your nose or anything. And he's totally right in the safety standards a lot of times, even in 2023, even in season 38 and really in season you know 46 or whatever the hell they're on when you add them all together. They, they, they're missing some things, some easy and obvious things. The budget they spend on this to, yes, buy a couple dozen pairs of like high flight goggles is well within the, the, the means of the budget. So he's totally right. I'm glad he made that and I'm glad it circulated and maybe got some traction of like production, maybe hearing that and being like, okay, people are a little upset. We need to do better. Maybe actually making some real changes back to other injuries in this actual moment. Anissa's ankle is fucked. It's fucked. When they show it the second time, the second morning, whatever it is, it's like purple. It's super swollen. It's totally fucked. So shout out to her for actually completing this final. It's pretty insane that she's completed this and isn't quitting um, because in just completing it, I mean, yes, they're walking on all the run parts, but they still aren't very far behind. They pretty much you know, caught up every single time one way or the other. It's very impressive on her part. So shout out to her for toughing it out 
going through this with a partner just yelling at her. And even if he's right to be yelling, some of the times it doesn't mean that it would be easy to go through from her side. So best of luck to the both of them. I don't see them winning, but we'll get to the final, final predictions at the end of the pod. On to Devin and Tori. What is there really to say about them? They're a well-oiled machine. They, they're doing everything right. They're, you know, we'll get to the end here in a second, but they're doing everything right. They're running a pretty flawless final for the majority of the time, all the way through last episode and almost all the way through this episode. Devin is doing the proper job of the good TV shtick uh, that Bananas sometimes, you know, Bananas is doing it, is like keeping the eye on the ball of like, we're supposed to be making a good TV show. I've got to be the guy that's like helping be entertaining whenever I can, but he's doing it to small, small little ways detrimental to his team or in moments where Nani rightfully is like, this isn't the time to be making good TV, Johnny. This is the time to be finishing the fucking puzzle or running or doing this or doing that. Devin is nailing the like, I'm going to do the good TV. I'm going to make sure I say some funny stuff. I'm going to make sure I'm going to try to make any, you know, the boring stuff entertaining, but I'm only going to do it when it has zero impact on my or my team's performance. So he's nailing that really, really well. Tori proves her puzzle chops to match Devin's. You know, she's the first one to get the the pattern figured out, which by the way, I, I don't think that the pattern on that we've seen this that this puzzle multiple times between these all these seasons that were filmed simultaneous to each other. We saw it earlier in Rider Dies when Laurel and Jack beat Colleen and Kim in the like big elimination version of, you know, the big wall version, lifting your partner up onto it. Um, or at least a portion of the puzzle. I don't think it was quite as many pieces. We also saw this exact puzzle board, shape-wise at least, and the pieces that were on it in the Challenge Australia final, which will be referenced a few times throughout this podcast episode here because it's basically the exact same as what we're watching here on Rider Dies. But in that one, there wasn't like a pattern, to my knowledge, to that you could pick up on and then put the whole thing together off it. So shout out to all three teams for figuring that out. But Tori, you know, is the first one to do it and it really proves her puzzle side of things to match Devin's, who then Devin goes and proves his true puzzle wizardry by getting the fractal puzzle, the like figure eight whatever you want to call it that, you know, tripped up Darrell and Veronica and Amber and Chauncey in an elimination earlier. It tripped up a bunch of people on the trap uh, on challenge Australia, both in the a daily challenge they had to do as well as in the final that we didn't see, but we learned about from my interview or I learned about from my interview with Connor that posted last week. So challenge Australia fans, if you haven't went and listened to that interview with Connor, definitely do so. Um, and tripped up people on the, uh, challenge USA when they came across that puzzle in the spooky nighttime challenge as well. So Devin gets it super duper fast when average time across a bunch of other teams across these seasons doing it is like an hour and a half to two hours finish time. And it seems like Devin and Tori do it in like three minutes, something like super, like very, very quickly. So shout out to them and Jordan and Nisa get it in really good time too compared to again, the like hour and a half to two hour average, just not quite as quick as Devin does. They're thinking everything through. They're making a great pace the whole time. They're doing everything flawless. And then they're stopped a little bit short by the eating. And I didn't see that coming. I didn't see, I, I could see if you told me they struggled on eating and I'm like, yeah, well, like, of course, plenty of people struggle to get through the eating, the gross stuff, the drinking, the gross stuff, whatever. But if you would have told me it's just the plain pasta and bread, I'd be like, okay, well, like 
they both want this bad enough that they'll just like suffer through that. That's a little more suffering than it is. It's a different mental challenge than it is and more of a physical challenge than the eating the gross stuff. I thought they would do totally fine. And it's hard to tell whether they do poorly or whether Bananas and Nani just do that well. But either way, Bananas and Nani take the lead. But ultimately, does that matter to Devin and Tori? No, because guess what? They're going to, what, start... 90 seconds behind Bananas and Nani the next day, the same way they got like a minute or two head start on this day after, you know, winning every stage all the way up to this, by the way. If this was a total timed event, they would have a significant lead. They do not, which, by the way, is another reason why this whole 100-hour final is rubbing me the wrong way. We had this last season on Spies, Lies, and Allies. We've had this on All-Stars recently. We've had this on... A bunch of recent seasons like don't make it you just have to survive until the last stage and then there's a little there's basically it's even going into that like make it all matter make the times matter it doesn't make as good of a show it doesn't guarantee a close race at the end but i just think it's better because you know tori and devin would have a right to be going into this being like we should have a significant advantage we've done the best on every stage except eating the bread and pasta and that was only by a little little bit so that's them. They're running a flawless race. We'll get to the prediction on if I think they will win in just a moment. But first, our third and final team, Bananas and Nani, they crush it this episode. They carry the episode. They make it entertaining while regaining the lead. That's impressive. Like, they're out here making sure that they're making this as entertaining as possible, and they're overtaking the leaders and taking that lead back. It's a very impressive episode for these two super-duper vets. They do get lucky that Jordan and Nisa are willing to help them on the puzzle. That was huge because again, uh, I learned from Connor challenge Australia when interviewing him that they did. In fact, we only, the, the challenge Australia crew ran basically everything we've seen in this rider dies finale up to this point was the challenge Australia finale. Um, like, station for station the whole way through maybe just a little bit less of a running distance or whatever but station by station the whole way through they did all of this and the uh thing we didn't see a bunch because it was a 60 minute episode versus a three and a half hour version of the final cut of what they could show us of the final and i learned from him they also had to do this fractal puzzle before they could go to bed and all of them took like a very very long time to do it so again everyone's struggled with that and there was a version of if jordan and nisa don't help bananas and nani maybe they stand there looking at it for a couple hours just getting frustrated at not being able to go to sleep i don't know so is it that lucky no but it was also smart by bananas just like shout out hey we'll help you if you help us and by that i mean if you figure this out we're just gonna stand here and wait until you do and that's how it plays out but the only real thing to talk about obviously with them they do great on all the stages but it's the eating challenge what a performance by these two. Just incredible, incredible, incredible. Man, if uh, you didn't think Nani wants win number one before, you've got to believe that she desperately wants it now because what a virtuoso performance when it comes to eating in a challenge final. She just goes all in as fast as she can and just, I mean, puts everyone else there to shame. Johnny 
catches up with her, but I think only is able to put forward the performance he does because he looks next to him. He's like, God damn, Nani. Okay. We're going to do, we're going to try this. We're going to literally try to shove it down our throats as fast as possible. Okay. I'll try. I'll try to keep up. So she's the pace setter. She gets the credit for this. And I personally never really like the eating parts or like the puking montages that we get in every final and sometimes in other challenges throughout the season. I'm not one of the ones that's a big fan of that. It seems like there is a big subset of people that are fans of that. I don't know, maybe, or maybe they're just totally getting that wrong and showing it to us anyways. I don't know, but I'm usually not a big fan of that part. But I thought this one was super duper entertaining, um, which leads me to something I thought before, but now I just totally know. The amount of food being the obstacle versus how gross the food is being the obstacle Way more enjoyable, way more enjoyable experience as a viewer to watch. It's also, I'm guessing, like a little bit more safe for the contestants who do need to get a lot of calories in their body for given what they've just gone through. So just down in this plate of pasta isn't so bad um, for them. And then also possibly just food safety wise is, I would assume, better than the concoctions they're whipping up, the whatever they were drinking at fish guts and stuff before. Um, so it's more enjoyable. It's probably a little safer for them and a little better for their ultimately for their performance, the rest of the final, which you want them to perform well so that it's like entertaining to watch. So I like this. I hope they kind of stick with this style of eating in the final. That would be awesome. And for the first time ever, I can also say that I would crush it on this stage of the final. Never before in the history of the challenge have I probably ever, you know, of the, of the, the real finals, you know, starting whatever season we want to call the first like true long final. I would suck at every part of it. I would just be bad except for the kayaking and canoeing. That part I would crush. It's trained in that, that world. And, uh, most people that on the challenge, not very good at paddling. So I take it back. I would do really well at the paddling stuff, but the distance part would get me my endurance, my strength, not anywhere near where it would need to be. This is the first time I've ever been like, this station, full station, 100% of it, I would crush. Plain bread, plain pasta, that's my jam. I don't actually eat plain pasta ever, but I know that I could. No problem. I do eat plain bread all the time. I'm a weirdo, and plain bread's great. Yes, it's tough to eat fast, uh, but I would have I would, I would, done great at this one. And I just want to give myself a pat on the back on the hypothetical greatness that I would have shown because, again... I think this is a one in rare only time that I could say that about a single station within a final that normally would kick my ass 100% of the time. The throw up in the pocket, chef's kiss. Um, you know, it's it's the best. It's, spoiler alert, the best moment of the episode. About to win that award in a minute or two from right now. It is also a moment that I think is really necessary because I feel like Nani hasn't taken as much advantage as I feel like she knows she could have, and I feel like she could have, of the fact that Bananas, as her partner, is, you know, out here trying to make sure, TV-wise, how he comes across to, like, he needs a season where he treats a female partner really well and rides for her, and he's been going a little over the top with, like, I'm just here for Nani, I'm just here for Nani, this, that, and the other, and I don't feel like she's taking advantage of, like, oh, he's, like, he doesn't want to be seen ever yelling at me, disagreeing, anything, whatever. And if we do, it's kind of the stage thing, you know, whatever. And then we make up right away and we have this cute best friends moment. 
I don't feel like she's taken advantage of that and maybe like poked him a little bit more. So I feel like puking on him was a worthy makeup for the other missed opportunities where she could have maybe pushed him a little harder and needled him knowing like you, you don't want to look like shit on TV again. Do you, you want to be good to your female partner this time around? Okay, great. I feel like she could have taken advantage. So this, this felt like retribution for all of those possible possibilities that were out there. She pukes on him and into his pocket and it's fantastic and it's incredible television, but also is her knee. Okay. Last thing on their team is her knee. Okay. Because they don't show us the knee thing. It's very brief. It's out of nowhere. We don't know when it happened, but suddenly during the running back and forth, the memory puzzle, she's like, uh, you know, my knee hurts. She's kind of limping off the one time. And it's like a 20 second detour of the episode of just like, Hey, just so you know, Nani's knee is maybe hurt. And then we're done. And we're not, you know, we, they bring it up one more time, you know, like a minute later as they take off running again. And she's like, yeah, I think it's okay right now. And that's it. And so they don't show us that if it doesn't eventually matter. I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but it feels like they did that so that they could then maybe point back to when it's, you know, I'm not saying she's like about to be out of the final and quit or whatever. Um, but if, you know, during this last episode, she's constantly in, in pain or complaining about like, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like this hurts this bad, whatever. They wanted to be able to give us some instance of like, we showed you when around when that happened. So uh, just earmarked that as uh, that's, it's not great. It's not great. Um, but now let's get to what was great. And that was the award winners from this episode. Trophy time. Here are the award winners for episode 18 finale, part two of three best quote, two nominees here. Devin's quote it's toxic. It's like toxic waste, you know? There's a chance we come out stronger than we went in. Honestly, if I have a choice, I want to be a supervillain. I just want to watch the world burn, end quote. Fantastic. This is, again, where it's not slowing them down in any way. They're not, and he knows, like, this is going to be an entertaining moment. And here we are discussing it as a very entertaining little quote and moment. Second nominee, TJ. I didn't know whether to put this in quote or moment, but we didn't have as many you know, we needed some competition in the quote category here. So TJ's quote, I grabbed my wallet and was like, the cars. I forgot to put motors in the cars. Just the the whole moment from TJ, he really is having a lot of fun, which deservedly so. He's sitting there and again, I said this last week. I don't remember him ever having to like watch every stage of the final and like follow along as they run along and everything. And for them to f make him do that for the first time on the hundred hour four day version of this, like, you know, it's got to be pretty boring on his part and he's making the best of it. He's having a good time and we're having a good time watching quote of the week to Devin best moment. Tori figuring out the puzzle pattern as Nani tries to kind of snoop a bit, the little, just great camera work more than anything else of just Nani not really trying to snoop, but standing close enough that, you know, she could hear and Tori, you know, is whispering and you could just see her over the shoulder. I just like that little moment and shot. TJ announcing the car pushing is nominee number two. We just talked about it. And then nominee number three, and we already said the winner of the best moment of the episode, puking in the pocket, the whole montage, bananas, Nani eating, the whole thing, uh, all of that. Really, really great. Best needle drop, another really strong episode from the music department on this one. Four nominees. Here it goes again by OK Go during the swamp swimming. Last resort by Papa Roach when they're pushing the cars. Give me more by Britney Spears during the eating montage and semi-charmed life by Third Eye Blind waking up the final day. Four bangers, absolute smash hits, all great. They had a couple 
other quality songs this episode, but you know we're only going to do four nominees. We're not going to put every single musical choice of theirs into the category. But of those four, as much as I want to continue the trend of the you know pop punk emo angsty teenage angsty season full of great great pop punk esque hits and give it to Papa Roach. It's got to be the Give Me More by Britney Spears. Again, they really match it up incredibly well for the second week in a row of song and lyric to the eating montage and everything. And just, it's Britney, bitch. Come on, it's Britney. We got to give it to her. As for the episode MVP, honorable mention. Uh, Anissa's ankle gets an honorable mention for sure. The cows, we haven't talked about the cows yet, but they really went heavy on the, you know, the first time they subtitle the cow right at the start of the episode, you're like, oh, that's like a funny little thing. And then when they give the cows like, I don't know, like 22 lines of dialogue via subtitle, and that's two to three X as many lines of dialogue as Kenny or Casey had the entire season, it just... It was a choice they made, and I think it worked. I think it worked, but the cow's definitely honorable mention. Tori's hair, another honorable mention. Uh, shout out to Alan Aguirre, as always, doing a great work over there on Twitter and his recaps and the podcast and everything. But Alan uh, had a nice screenshot to point out. They wake up for you know the like second or third night now. They've spent out and doing all this crazy shit that they've been doing. And Tori's hair just looks flawless. She looks flawless. Is just shining and gorgeous in the morning. Like she's just had like the greatest night of beauty sleep ever. And just shout out Tori and Tori's hair specifically. And just pulling through in this difficult environment. TJ also an honorable mention. Great episode from him. But the winner, the episode MVP. We got to do joint between Bananas and Nani. I wanted to give it to Nani just for puking in the pocket. But when you look at the stats, uh, Bananas dominated the confessionals this episode uh, with 15 to Nani's like seven or eight, depending how you do, you know, the group ones or whatever, and was very prevalent too. So group award, award Bananas and Nani both take home the MVP for the episode. And we'll get out of here on this. The power rankings and predictions don't take that long at this point of the season power rankings wise, which is just prediction-wise, going into the final part of the final. We see on the next week on that, you know, they're basically at the final stage where they're going to be in this, what looks to be incredibly well-designed and incredibly visually, like, cool. And the production is going to get a lot of love from me next week if it is as cool as it looks like in this little snippet. But, you know, they're at the zone kind of, or maybe a recreated second zone area in the middle of this field. And they got this big light contraption, but it seems like it's going to all be centered around. There's going to be the little base, and maybe they have to run out in the cornfields from it and do some stuff around it. But they're going to be kind of in one spot, and it's going to look really cool and be cool. And they're probably going to have to do mini versions of a bunch of the eliminations that happened this season. We see them doing a digging one. We see them doing the kind of hall brawl-esque, like push the bar thingy. Uh, We see a bunch of different stuff, but it looks really cool. But it also means that there maybe isn't going to be as much running involved in this last uh, portion, this last day of this, which by the way, quick sidebar, the timer, I mean, the timing was the, the hours that they show when they keep showing how many hours left, how many hours they've done, whatever. I knew they were nowhere near like accurate the whole time. I knew they were never going to be, but, um, the way that they, they are so off in this episode because we see them wake up 
and they say there's like 50 hours left and then it's nighttime again and they're eating and there's 40 hours left and I'm pretty sure there's more than 10 hours of sunlight in, <laughs> maybe there's not, maybe it's 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. and I'm wrong, I don't know, but by the time the eating's done, they're like 40 hours left, but then when they wake up, I'm pretty sure they're only going, they're not sleeping again. So anyways, those are all messed up. But not gonna be as much endurance, which means I think that all three teams have a shot because I think, you know, less running and more like doing puzzles and doing physical stuff way more up Anissa and Jordan's alley than the, the big runs between everything is bananas. And Nani, if her knee is hurt, it could go, you know, be bad for them that they have to do a bunch of maybe physical stuff, move a bunch of stuff around, but it also could be good if they don't have to do as much, just long running on it. And it also might take away, you know, the biggest advantage I think Devin and Tori had is that I think they could, as a team, run, you know, just the endurance side had the best on the endurance side, a little bit of an edge over Bananas and Nani. So we'll see how it ends up. I'm hoping it's at least close, but I'm going with Devin and Tori, Bananas and Nani. Jordan and Nisa is still how I would have them ranked going into this, but... I would have thought that there would be a little bit of a gap between each of those, and I don't. I, I could envision a way for all three teams to win. I'm glad that at least all three teams got there. I was pretty worried we were going to get literally a, a one-team versus one-team final episode here partway through this particular episode, but Jordan and Nisa made it. Again, shout-out to her for making it through, and I assume finishing the whole thing out here, but I do think Devin and Tori are going to win. I think they stay the most calm and collected, I think Devin's puzzle wizardry is going to come in clutch and make some big time, you know, gaps between the teams when the time actually hopefully starts to count here. I think the injuries to Nani and Anissa outweigh the possible disadvantage of having Devin instead of a Jordan or Bananas for the couple strength-based things they might have to do where, you know, you would normally be like, okay, well, on the men's side of things, if they have to, you know, lug a bunch of heavy shit back and forth, I would take Jordan and Bananas over Devin, but I think that's outweighed by the fact that Nani and Anissa, you know, with their injuries, if they have to do, you know, lug a bunch of heavy shit back and forth, Tori's going to have just as big of an advantage on the female side of that as Devin possibly would have on the men's side of it and a disadvantage. So I think you add all of that up, and I think they just continue to run a great final. They come back from having both lost just barely at the end of Spies, Lies, and Allies, from both having been in a couple finals and not getting there, from both being more or less the faces of the show for the last couple of seasons, and they cement it all with a big old W. That's what I think is going to happen. I do think I'm going to really enjoy, as much as I've you know continued to you know be upset about this three-episode, three-and-a-half-hour final, by the looks of it, I think I'm going to have a really good time watching next week's final. It's definitely going to be one that I'm going to be like, I wish I could do this. This is this looks great. This is so fun, well-designed, hats off to production. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm expecting. And uh, we'll see if that's what we get. But that's all for tonight in this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. As always, we will be back next week to cover the actual final. Maybe also talk about a trailer for the global championships. I'm, we have to get that next week, right? It would make sense. I've been waiting last week and this week thinking like, oh, they're going to show that at the end of this season and just lead us right into the next one that they've announced the date. They gave us a little teaser or whatnot. So yeah, we're going to get a full trailer sometime at the end of next week, right? Right. Of course we will. They won't. They might save that for the reunion. I don't know. Either way, 
We'll be back to pod about whatever takes place next week and whatever new news we learn about in the challenge world. Thank you so much for being here. Love to you all. Have the best week and weekend. Until we talk again, peace.